Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Well, hey there. I'm Brett Johnson. I'm a former criminal. The United States Secret Service called me the original Internet Godfather. Yeah, they really did that. The way I ended up with that title was being convicted of 39 felonies, being placed on the United States Most Wanted list. I escaped from prison and I built the first organized cybercrime community. It was called Shadow Crew. Shadow Crew was a precursor to today's dark web and dark web markets, and it laid the foundation for the way modern cybercrime channels still operate today. And those 39 felonies, well, they had to do with refining modern cybercrime as we now know it. Guess what? I went to prison. Yep, big surprise there. The real surprise is, is I had enough people who cared about me, who helped me turn my life around, that today I work to help protect businesses and consumers from the type of person that I used to be. Welcome to the online broadcast. <laughs> We are back. Yes, we are back. And we've got one hell of a show lined up today. But then again, why wouldn't we? Right? I mean, look at the world right now. The world is in complete chaos. We've went from pandemic to race riots. The best representation of it that I have seen so far, because we've not even had a pause on this stuff. But the best representation that I have seen so far comes from two of my friends online. Yes, I know we don't really have any friends online because when I'm, we've never met them, hung out or anything like that, but still they're online friends and I like the hell out of them. One, her name is Jeanette Lee and the other one is Mo Better Wi-Fi over on Twitter. They mentioned the other day that they had an apocalyptic advent calendar and they sent me a copy of it and I'm going to tell you what, it is the most amazing thing on the planet. It's got murder hornets, it's got fake news, it's got shelter in place, it's got the bunny COVID. It's got locusts. It's got cannibal rats. It's got the asteroid that's heading here. Shit, I missed that someplace. I didn't even know about the asteroid. It's got all this stuff. So that's what I'm talking about. This year is totally, totally screwed up. Did I mention fake news? That's right. We always start the show out with a fake news report. And guess what? We've got a lot of fake news going around right now. We've got all the riots that are going on. We've got George Floyd that has been killed. These riots have honestly they've been a long time coming. I mean, we know that. I don't support violence, but as Martin Luther King said, riots 
are the language of the unheard. And we have not heard an entire people for hundreds of years. The fact that riots break out, not surprising. It is just, it is a sad language to have to listen to. It is a horrible language to have to listen to. So on the fake news report, usually we go about talking about several different articles that appear in the press and how they got it wrong, how that is simply just fake news. There's a lot of fake news going around right now, a lot of fake news right now from both sides. I say both sides, from all sides. A lot of fake news from all sides, from the right wing, from the left wing, from Black Lives Matter, from the people who are fighting Black Lives Matter. There's a lot of fake news going around from both sides. I've been reading about Antifa. Is Antifa a group? I mean, hell, you can't really, you don't really know. You don't really know because the media, you've got both, you've got one side saying, oh no, it's not a group. It's not a group or it's a good group. It's a good group or it's, it's a terrorist group. So you've got all these different groups saying all these different things. You've got the president that's trying to label them a terrorist organization. You've got groups that say, hey, he's not even allowed to call them terrorists. You've got some groups say, oh yes, he is. He's the president. He can do whatever he wants to. So there's a lot of disinformation that's being spread around. You've got Donald Trump that headed over to the photo opportunity. Was tear gas launched? Uh, who knows? It depends on which media outlet or which witness that you're talking to as to whether tear gas was even launched. Personally, I believe it probably was, or at least the smoke bombs were sent out. Regardless, people, most witnesses did report of difficulty breathing, tears in the eyes, everything else. It doesn't really, does it really even matter? Does it really even matter that we're parsing words, that we're parsing exactly what happened? We do know that peaceful protesters were forced off the property. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's so much disinformation right now on all sides, and it's extremely difficult to know what is actually going on and what is not going on. The only thing I can say is that right now, it's important to try to verify as much as possible what's going on, okay, as much as possible. I live in Birmingham, Alabama. There was supposed to be a protest here yesterday. The protest was canceled because Twitter blew up and Facebook and a few other social media channels blew up saying that the KKK was in town that the white supremacists were in town and they were threatening to riot themselves. It turns out, from what I can tell, from what I can tell, it turns out that that was an empty threat. There were, there were none of them in town. But again, you have to err on the side of caution because Birmingham is known for white supremacy, for white supremacists coming in and bombing a church. So it's not like this is the first rodeo for Birmingham. Evidently, they were not in town. There was, it was an empty threat of violence. But what I'm saying is, is that it's, more, it's important for us now, more than ever, to verify not only that, but to keep an open mind. Right now, we're seeing that crystallization of sides. I'm seeing on Twitter, and I finally found my Twitter purpose. I did. I, I've been had a Twitter account since 2016. I've never really used it except to advertise online broadcast and the Anglerfish podcast. I've never really used it for anything more than that. And this George Floyd thing, the um, this George Floyd protest, the riots, the protests, the language of the unheard finally got Brett Johnson off his ass and he understood what he needed to be doing, what I needed to be doing on Twitter. And I've been raising a lot of hell about the incumbents in office, talking about the protests, my thoughts and feelings about that, thought on that. As far as fake news, my thing is, is that we need to verify as much as we possibly can. I'm not going to talk about articles today uh, because there's a ton of them. There's a ton of fake news going. I, I, you can literally just draw almost any news report out of the bucket and there's something that is skewed depending on the editorial slant of the institution that's releasing it. 
So there's a lot of fake news. I would say we need to verify. We need to keep an open mind. Right now, everyone is crystallizing on one side or the other. We need to keep an open mind about these things. That's extremely important. When we come back, we're going to talk about the future of cybercrime in just a moment. I get a lot of questions on where cybercrime is heading. What is the future of cybercrime? What does that look like? And what I talk about usually, I talk about how Shadow Crew was one of those historic type moments. Before Shadow Crew, before Carter Planet, before Counterfeit Library, if you were looking to engage in some sort of organized cybercrime, the only avenue you had was an IRC chat session, this rolling message board where you didn't know who you were talking to, you couldn't trust anyone, you were getting ripped off all the time. Shadow Crew gave a trust mechanism that criminals could use, that large communication channel, that forum type structure. That was one of the big developments in the way cybercrime operates. And cybercrime channels still tend to use that type of blueprint today. The next big developments for cybercrime were with the Tor browser and Bitcoin cryptocurrency because a Tor browser allows someone to remain anonymous or build websites that are anonymous if they know how to properly do it or use it. Cryptocurrency allows an individual to move massive amounts of value quickly and somewhat anonymously as long, again, as they know how to use it properly. Those are huge caveats, by the way, because typically a lot of people don't know how to use it properly. What I talk about about the future of cybercrime, 2017, there were two websites that were shut down, Alpha Bay and Hansa Market. Alpha Bay was the largest criminal network on the planet when it was shut down July 15th. 2017, had 240,000 members, 240,000. The criminal community didn't know it, but Hansa Market had been compromised at about the same time. So Alphabet is shut down. It's announced that it was shut down. Law enforcement then, through using social networks and their their plants and everything else, they kind of direct traffic over to Hansa Market saying, oh, you know, hey, all the business is going on over at Hansa Market now. So everyone migrates over to Hansa Market. Two weeks later, law enforcement says, ha ha, we got you. We arrested. We got that site too. We shut it down. What happened was, is that caused so much paranoia in the community, in the criminal community, the underground, that a lot of the members were scared to death of using Tor, and they started to migrate to different places. A lot of them migrated back from the dark web up to the surface web. They set up Facebook groups. They started using Reddit to exchange information, things like that. A lot of the more experienced users started to migrate to smaller and smaller encrypted messaging channels. Wicker, Jabber, Telegram. These smaller and smaller encrypted channels because they started to realize, hey, we don't need these large, just overblown dark web marketplaces because the only thing that is is a beacon for law enforcement. So we can just do this on a smaller encrypted channel. No one can track us. We're safe that way. Let's move over there. So we've, we've seen that as time has progressed, that movement from the larger websites into the smaller and smaller framework of the encrypted channels. If you're looking at the future of cybercrime, I personally think that the future lies in a format like Telegram. So the question is, is what is Telegram? Telegram is an encrypted messaging application which works across a variety of platforms and devices. It was developed by Pavel Dorov, a Russian entrepreneur. Now that doesn't really tell you a whole hell of a lot. What it is, is you fire this thing up and you've got different chat channels that are encrypted. These chat channels can be moderated. There's an admin over top of them, and they can be about any specific thing you want to. And some of these channels have 
thousands of members. And there is a lot of crime on these channels. And it is one of the fastest moving types of chat boards that I have ever seen. The type of content that's being pushed out, the advertisements that are being pushed out on these boards, think of it as IRC, for those who, who remember the internet relay chat system, think of it as IRC encrypted, but turned up to 11. It is like that. I believe, I fully believe that we are witnessing the future of cybercrime communications on platforms like Telegram. Now, the issue becomes, how do you trust? How do you, because at the end of the day, Telegram has to be somewhat different than IRC. If it's not, then you have complete chaos there. There has to be some degree of trust that is inherent within the system that's being used. And I think that's where we're at right now. Telegram is, is potentially the future of cybercrime, the future of cybercrime communications, networking, purchases, everything else. That type of platform is the future of cybercrime as we see it now. The issue, the, the crux that that depends on is how to handle the trust mechanism. How do you develop trust on a fast-moving chat session like that so that people can communicate, so that criminals can communicate with each other, can trust each other, can, can know that the products that they're buying work, can know that someone is not potentially law enforcement? I think that becomes the entire issue. And there's a few ideas that I have about that that we could talk about on another episode. Uh, personally, I think it's it has a lot to do with PGP keys, with vouchers, with reviews, with uh, heavy moderation, word of mouth. And this, we talk about that a small amount on the upcoming interview. I am very fortunate that today we are interviewing one of the owners of one of these Telegram channels. He is a longtime career cyber criminal. He is outstanding in his field. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He knows exactly how the dynamics of cybercrime works. He is an expert. He's been doing this for 11 years. But there's a caveat. There's a caveat. He wanted to be interviewed. I asked him, I was like, hey, would you like to come on the podcast? He's like, I would love to come on the podcast, but we have to do it by text. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, I'm not going to let you hear my voice. So I thought to myself, I was like, okay, how are we going to do it by text? Actually, I didn't think that long. My answer, it popped in my head immediately. I was like, okay, yeah, we'll do it by text, and Brett Johnson will play both parts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're in for a treat today. Brett Johnson plays Brett Johnson, and Brett Johnson plays this unknown criminal. Next on the Online Fraudcast. Testing, testing one, two, testing one, two, testing. Brett Johnson is on. Hello, is anyone on? Hello, Brett Johnson is on Zoom. Is anyone on Zoom? Hello? Hello? Uh, yes, Brett. I, uh, I am on. Well, hello there. I want to apologize for being late, but I've been taking this George Floyd protest stuff pretty much to heart. Uh, no offense on that. It is is okay, Brett. Okay, so let, let's dive in because I know you don't have a lot of time. How should my podcast listeners refer to you? Is is all good, Brett. Um. <sighs> How should you and your listeners refer to me? Um, how is, um, how you say, maybe, maybe as someone with a lot of experience in the refunding, um, social engineering, uh, and general, uh, general fraud scene, uh, I'm sure you can make it sound much uh, prettier. Okay, so we talked a couple of days ago, and you offered to assist with a write-up on social engineering and CPNs. Um, for our listeners, 
How long have you been involved in this scene? <sighs> yeah, how long? Um, I have been in the social engineering scene for um, around 11 years. Uh, the CPN scene, uh, maybe three years. 11 years. So you're an old timer. If you don't mind my asking, how did you get started? How did I get started? I, I was the son of a poor sharecropper. I joke, Brady. I joke. Uh, I left home. I was extremely broke. I have a general lack of morality. And I love the money. I have a lot of interest in the money. Uh, I first joined a site called, um, how do you say it? Uh, the, uh, the Tootsie. Totsi? I remember Totsi. It was a BBS site, um, sort of kind of a forerunner to Reddit and 4chan, had lots of text files, forums, how-tos. Uh, that, was, that was a decent site, man. That was decent. Yes, Brett, it was, it was a decent site. Uh, not, not, too, not too bad. It was a good start. So when you left home, did you have any skills whatsoever? Um, I had the I had the general I would say I had the general inclination I think uh, I originally cracked a version of Office 2007 that didn't need a CD key and I sold it on eBay and it it it, it made me happy uh, I smile inside with joy uh, I sold that uh, several hundred times on the eBay <laughs> so you cracked Office 2000 so that you know that's pretty funny because. I did that when I started out as well. I had the uh, front page 97, Office, whatever the hell that was, Adobe Suite. Bretty, Bretty, no one cares what you did, Bretty. Uh, this, this is my story. Uh, you've told yours already, but, uh, but uh, yes, Adobe was, uh, was a sweet uh, master collection, I think it was. Okay, so you start on Totsi, but you've been in the scene for 11 years. You're no longer a software cracker. Now you're respected. People follow you. You know your shit these days. You know, Bretty, uh, respected, uh, maybe. Um, know my shit. Uh, that, that is closer to the truth. Uh, it it brings me joy that you, you say that. Uh, this, this is what you're really now. This is my happy voice. I am, I'm very happy inside, Bretty, that you would say that I know my shit. Okay, so then let's talk the way things run these days then, all right? After Alpha Bay and Hansa shut down, a lot of the scene started to migrate to smaller and smaller encrypted messaging channels like Jabber, Wicker, Telegram, etc. These days, Telegram has an extremely large community. What do you see as the benefits of having a Telegram channel versus a dark web forum, Jabber, Facebook group, or something like that? Uh, the benefits. Um, I would say that a forum moves much uh, slower than a Telegram channel or a group. Uh, there is an absolutely ridiculous amount of dumb kids with money available, with parents available money on Telegram. Uh, you can make friends with a couple of admins, uh, create your own group, get a couple of hundred members, and you can sell whatever made-up bullshit you want. Uh, if you have some good vouchers on a good product, you can explode so quickly, uh, just so, so quickly. Uh. On forums, on forums, you are um, crawling your way to the top. It is bullshit. It is. It is bullshit. Uh, and you are never on the same level of staff unless you are the staff. Um, and what's the odds of that? You know, it is. It's bullshit. Telegram? 
Telegram, you could be 10 different people on the Telegram within a year and make money on all 10. Okay, so you're right. The forums <laughs> take a lot longer to build up than what you've described with Telegram. I mean, it takes a lot longer. Um, so I give you that is a decided plus using Telegram that simply is not available with a forum type structure. But what about establishing trust among the users? It seems to me that when something grows that fast, there might not be enough time to establish a degree of trust so that members are you know, comfortable working with each other or buying from each other. Um, or does it even matter with Telegram? Uh, does it matter? I, I would say that uh, people are stupid enough to buy from basically anyone as long as one person says they are good. Now, I would admit the trust factor on a forum is much more established and, and laid out. If you're, if you're large in a non-scummy forum, you, you're as good for as long as you want. Uh, conversely, uh, trust on Telegram is easily earned, but uh, it is easily lost. Um, one person that is upset you did not provide exactly what they wanted in their mind's eye, you're as good as done if you aren't really established, you know, if you aren't too big to fail. Okay, so one vouch is enough to get business going. And, you know, I can see what you're saying. Things are so fast moving on Telegram that names come and go. So this really is, I mean, it really is like the Wild West. Lots of traffic, fast flowing, lots of money, but kind of trade at your own risk and piss someone off and you're done. Yes, Brady, exactly. Your exposure is quite large, but your risk level is high and your output had, your output had better match the expectations of the community, which the expectations may or may not be reasonable. I got to tell you, truthfully, <laughs> truthfully, that that is a beautiful thing. If I were still on your side of the fence, I'd be on Telegram. It's, I mean, it's fast flowing. It's fun as hell. And it's a bit of a puzzle. I mean, it, it's a puzzle to me to be able to solve how to make it better with the trust mechanism without losing what makes it so good. It, it, I'd say, Brady, is sure, yes, it, it is exhilarating, but it is also extremely stressful. <laughs> I bet. I mean, I, I visited Telegram several months ago. And I mean, like several. And at that time, not much was really going on, I, but, you know, you could see the potential. And now it looks like that potential is finally being realized. I, I'm back on now because I was asked about this refund fraud that's going crazy with all the merchants right now. And Telegram seems to be the place to visit for that. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Telegram and the forums are the most reputable places, in my humble opinion. Um, Discord exists, but the terms of service uh, allows them to delete your sheet if any laws are broken or any unethical behavior occurs. Um, so services fall within a, or they usually, you know, the services on Discord, they, they fall within a few weeks if you aren't careful. Uh, People on Telegram, uh, people have made hundreds of thousands of dollars on Telegram. Um, I myself, I am, I am well over the 200K myself. And, you know, here's the thing, Brett. I am not, uh, I am not even the most successful one, I do not think. You know, that's, that's interesting you said that. I don't think a lot of people outside of the scene realize how much money is being made on these channels. Uh, just And, and I, just throwing it out there. I'm estimating that a decent refunder is maybe pulling in $10,000 a day, uh, 
what's your thoughts on that? Oh, so that's uh, that is an absurdly high amount, uh, Bretti. Um, I would say the best refund in the best month possible with a private method that no one else is doing. Three k a day, max. Three k. Normally, to my knowledge, uh, refunders do between one hundred to one thousand dollar a day. One hundred to one thousand dollars. Okay, so. So that being said, then that means there has to be a lot of bluster on those channels. I mean, I visit and the only thing I see is bam, bam, bam about refunding this, refunding that. So how much do you think someone who simply hires a refunder can net monthly? You know, if you're, if you're smart about it, uh, maybe even more than the refunder. Um, people are hitting, I know people who are hitting $40,000 a pop on some of these refunds. And you are right. I mean, Bluster is the name of the game. Uh, who better to hype up you than yourself? $40,000 a pop. Jesus, that's insane. Uh, you know, I laugh, but I remember when this shit started and people were bragging about making $10,000 a month on Amazon. Yes, Brady, times have changed. I have a customer who does $2,000 target orders every single day. And you are right. It's true on Bluster. Um, I mean, you've got to advertise yourself because no one else will, right? I mean, unless you, unless you find some, some clout chaser who is uh, willing to slay you to get reputation. He does your bidding for you. If you find that, then you don't have to worry about all the bluster yourself. But most of the time, you, one has to advertise his own product. Okay, so $2,000 a day at Target. Now, is, is this guy doing this all under his name, different names, different addresses? I mean, what's going on with that? He's doing the, the different name, the different card, drops, emails. He, he's doing the works across the board. $2,000 a day is what he does. Okay, so uh, that I guess you could say that's good because I was actually hoping that some of these guys weren't just using their real names over and over and over. And here's the thing. So he's, he's pulling in, to, he's doing a $2,000 a day order. 30 days in a month, that's $60,000. You get 25% of that. So just on that one guy, you're making 15K a month just on him. Yeah, yes, Brady. It, it, what do you want me to say, Brady? It is good money. It is good money. And if you hire staff and you, you find someone to slave for you, you know, someone who is trying to achieve clout within the community, you can literally do nothing. Okay, so I, I got to admit, that's a beautiful gig. And it's a shit ton of money on refunding. I mean, that's just one customer. And I won't ask specific techniques because first, you're not going to tell them to me. Second, it's none of my business. And third, it would spoil the fun of figuring out on my own. So other than refunding, you had mentioned social engineering and CPNs. Uh, yes, Brett, mostly, uh, uh, mostly social engineering. Uh, CPNs, they are a fun, uh, a fun hobby. Okay, so then let's take social engineering first. Um, can you explain what that is to our listeners? Uh, sure, it's social engineering. In this community, social engineering is the art of warranty exploitation, um, as opposed to the general idea of social engineering, which is like calling some business and tricking the representative into giving you their password or something like that. Okay, so 
it's a bit different than what I consider traditional social engineering. It's warranty exploitation. So I'm guessing, I mean, are we simply just talking about the advanced replacement scam? Like Amazon was hit a few years ago with their Surface 2. Their their serial numbers on the Surface 2, it was a checksum serial number. Once that algorithm was figured out, which is pretty simple to figure out, people could generate their own social security numbers out of, not social, but they could generate their own serial numbers for those Surface products out of thin air, use a stolen credit card. Microsoft wouldn't charge the credit card as long as the credit card was valid. They would ship you these Surface 2s overnight, free, over and over and over. And I mean, it ate Microsoft up alive. So is that what we're talking about? Is this advanced replacement scam stuff? Is that, is that what, is that it? Bretty, I mean, it, yes, it, there is advanced replacement, yes, but it is so much more, Bretty. It is it's so much more than just the advanced replacement scam. Okay, so then this I got to hear. Look, advanced replacement are the uh, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, sure, a, a quick advanced replacement is good for the confidence. And what if, uh, you know, what if they won't give you the product first? What if there is not an advanced replacement warranty at the company? I mean, what then? Or like in, uh, in, like in 2010 or so, what if you're not even the person calling? Well, people, they, they used to get iPhones by routing the Apple shipping site and redirecting them via whichever carrier the, the Apple was using. In this case, as everyone knows, it's a FedEx. Okay, so right. Uh, so the social engineering is the art of convincing them to send out a replacement even though they don't offer advanced replacement. So, what kind of goods are we talking about? Oh, what kind? Of, what type of goods do you want, Brett? I mean, what type of goods are good for the uh, for reselling? Uh, so, you have phones, laptops, televisions, uh, watches, shoes, uh, whatever. I mean, hell, Brett. A few years ago, a few years back, someone someone social engineered a Nissan, a Nissan. A Nissan. <laughs> so I guess I got Nissan to send them a uh, uh, whatever the hell that was for free. I don't even know what, a Pathfinder or whatever, whatever it was, right? I do not know the specifics, Bretty, but I do know that someone social engineered a Nissan. It is what it is. Okay, so, uh, yeah, okay, so that, that <laughs> I mean, that's just bizarre. So I guess a lot of the work goes into the story told to get the item sent or is it just uh, that some of this stuff is just pretty automatic via the website and you don't have to talk to a lot of people? I mean, what does that actually look like? Uh, but very, very rarely is, is the, is it just automatic? Uh, more it is telling a convincing story. If it is automatic, it is either a gold mine or a waste of time. Uh, you see that Brady, I made a funny uh, gold mine rhymes with waste of time. Yeah. Uh, multi-talented, multi-talented. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're multi-talented. I'll give you that. So, okay, so you tell the story, or a worker bee of yours tells the story, and the item is sent to whoever has hired you to get it shipped to their drop address. How much of that are you actually doing? And of, of what you just described, Bretti, I am I'm doing extremely little of that. Uh, while it is lucrative, uh, logistics and risk are usually higher then I would like to commit to. Um, I think the real money is in actually just doing them to your drops yourself. You know, I would have thought that. Are, are you running individual drops for each shipment? 
Uh, Brady, uh, possibly. I mean, 2020 has a few decent methods for uh, uh, generating unlimited drops. Um, it is it is no longer call your friend and tell them a weird package is arriving, right? And as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the replacement and uh, the warranty, uh, if you've ever worked retail, you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Telecustomers are the worst people on earth. Uh, kids with money who feel entitled to above and beyond service with, with little respect, little to no respect uh, for the process. Uh, so it, is, it is not, uh, it is social engineering, Brett. You know social engineering. It is social engineering. Uh, it is manipulating and then getting the product sent. Uh, no, it, it, it is a game. But, you, you know, as, as far as drop addresses, it, 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 uh, yes, in 2020, there are several decent, decent methods for, for generating unlimited drops. And I won't ask you to elaborate on what types of methods those are, but I'm imagining that some of those methods involve virtual residential addresses, which will reship to wherever you want them to, maybe rules-based merchants where a minor, just a minor small change to the address makes the system at the merchant think that it's a brand new address, maybe some Amazon drop boxes, stuff like that. Hey, Bretty, Bretty. I mean, uh, come now, Bretty. We could, uh, we could pontificate endlessly, uh, I'm sure. And this brings, again, Bretty, this is my happy voice. This brings joy to my heart that, that we are talking about this. Uh, it, is, it is very fun. It is lucrative. Uh, I, am, I am happy. Okay, so that said, some of those techniques would make it easier to maybe not be flagged by the companies that, for your specific geographic area. And what I mean by that is if you're doing all this, this replacement warranty stuff, it seems to me that if you hit a company over and over and over again, at some point, that company is going to get used to all these warranty issues in this one specific geographic area where your drops are. But I'm imagining that the drops, the types of drops that you're using allow you to not have to worry about that issue. Or maybe there's so many companies where this warranty replacement stuff works that you don't have to worry about mining it out. And, and Bretty, I will say this. Uh, my personal rule is never to push the boundaries uh, unnecessarily. Okay, so I, I do agree that is a good rule to follow. You mentioned CPNs. Now, do you still, do, do you use them to build profiles or do you just sell them? You know, on the addresses, Bretty, I, I, if I can use a different address each time, I will, okay? I, that, that is what I will say about that. Um, understand, Bretty, that, that, that profiles, the, the, the profiles is a dirty word uh, when you say CPN. Uh, okay, so what do you mean a dirty word? Uh, CPNs are, are different than profiles. Uh, CPNs are built from scratch and do not use uh, child socials. Uh, profiles are some dude's uh, credit info that, uh, that they're selling. Uh, so, so profiles, already existing credit, which is stolen. CPNs, Fabricated social security numbers. Not, 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 we do not use child social security number. We, we fabricate social security number going by the Social Security Administration uh, algorithm. Okay, so 
I know the process, and just to explain that to the listeners. So what happens is in 2011, the Social Security Administration, it randomized Social Security numbers. So now you can fabricate these Social Security numbers out of thin air or use a child's Social Security number. As long as the Social Security number follows the Social Security algorithm, that's something you can use, and as long as it, it was issued after 2011. So what happens is, is you... Fabricated social, you use a kid's social security number, you add a name to it, an adult date of birth, an address, a phone number, you apply for credit. Credit bureaus don't know you exist until you tell them you exist. So on that application for credit, that incoming information, they've never seen that. The credit bureau's never seen that before. So the application for credit is denied, but because they've never seen that incoming data before, it actually creates a new profile in the credit bureau system. They think it's a completely new person. So they, they, they generate a new credit report for that person based on that application. So now that person, that synthetic identity, that CPN, is now in the credit bureau system. The idea at that point is then to pump up the credit score as fast as possible and then cash out. My question on that is are you still using credit piggybacking or have you moved away from that? Uh, the, the credit piggybacking. You mean like using someone's uh, login on uh, Amex to build uh, CPN credit? Uh, yes, I mean like meaning authorized user trade lines. Oh, yes, authorized user trade lines. Uh, yes, those, those are awesome. Okay, so I got you. So are you also using primary trade lines? I mean, and if so... Does that involve setting up your own company or shelf corporation or maybe just using a company's ID? Uh, again, Brady, there are, there are different techniques. Um, yes, you do like an LLC, which sort of, uh, an LLC sort of tricks the system. And yes, primaries, they are still huge. I will not elaborate. I have, I have, honestly, I have said too much about the use of an LLC already. Uh, this is something that... Uh, that you can figure out yourself, right? You're a smart guy. You're a smart guy. Well, I appreciate that. I truly do. Is there any concern about the Social Security Administration allowing creditors the ability to verify the Social Security number? And if there is, I mean, what are you guys going to do then? Uh, you know, there was something about uh, that happening this month, but I, I have not seen it. Um, if it does happen... I am, I am sure we will change it up a bit, but uh, again, it only affects new CPNs, uh, not the pre-existing CPNs, uh, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, allegedly, and not the pre-existing CPNs. So I'm guessing that you've got a whole boatload of existing CPNs already. You know, Brett, I, uh, I will decline to comment on that. How does that sound, Brett? Okay, so on aging those profiles and cashing out, are you cashing out as soon as possible or are you kind of letting the profile age and grow a bit and then layering, maybe layering other profiles on top of that one single one as well? Uh, no, Bratty, I, I, I can wait. I am, not, uh, I am not strapped for cash, Bratty. I mean, I, it, why? There is no reason to cash out, uh, you know, thousand, five hundred, ten thousand dollars if uh, when you can wait just a little while longer and cash out for fifty thousand dollars. I mean, I am not desperate. I am not broke, ready. I mean, I'm okay. There is no reason for me to, to, to rush. The longer I wait, the more money I make on these profiles. The, 
I say profiles because you see, Brady, you get me saying profile. You say profile, I say profile. It gets all mixed up. I, I'm making good money on these CPNs, Brady. I'm making good money on that. Well, I, I got to say, that is a smart man. I, honestly, I had no doubt that's exactly what you were doing. You know, when I was still worrying that I might have to go back to crime, I was looking, I was taking a long, hard look at CPNs and synthetic fraud. I mean, it's a lot of money, very little risk. That being said, I know we got to wrap this up. I've taken way too much of your time already. Just if you don't mind, I just had a couple more questions for you. Uh, yes, Brett, you ask your questions. I, 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 yes, you ask your questions. That is fine. Okay, so you've been doing this for 11 years. Have you ever been arrested? Any close calls? Anything like that? Uh, close calls? Uh, nothing with the law enforcement. Uh, I have had companies... Uh, <laughs> I have had companies call my ass out, though. So, <laughs> you know, I've had that, too. And the first few times, it does. It does cause one just a little bit of stress. But, you know, I guess you know as well as I do. After it happens a few times, not so much stressful. I mean, what are they going to do? Reach through the phone and just grab you at that point? So, 11 years, never caught. Is there a stopping point for you? Oh, stopping point, Bretty. Yeah. Of course, of course. I, I have a number. I have a number in my head. Okay, so you have a number in your head. You really going to be able to step aside and walk away? I mean, that's, that's a pretty hard thing to do. Uh, of course I'm going to walk away, Brady. I mean, this, this shit is like a video game. I mean, there is no reason not to just pull the plug, delete the accounts, call it a day. I reach the number, delete the accounts, walk at that point. Okay, so a final question. Any advice for people on both sides of the fence? You know, Brett, as for your final question, I think if you are finding good, legitimate reasons not to do fraud, you shouldn't. If you can both live with the, if you can both live with the stealing to make money, and you can picture yourself in prison, eh, sure. Go ahead. I mean, it is, that is the life we live. You lived that, Bretty. You went to prison. I mean, you do not commit fraud now because the consequences are something that uh, you do not want to experience anymore. Um, me, I'm, I will be retiring soon. And I will not be coming back because the consequences of staying in this business is something that I would not like to experience. Other than that, Bretty, is there anything else that I can answer for you? You know, I, honestly, no, I can't think of anything. And I want to tell you, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you talking to me. I really hope, honestly, dude, I really hope you're able to walk away. Thank you. Always look on the bright side of life. For life is quite absurd and death's a final word. You must always face the curtain with a bow. Forget about your sin. Give the audience a grin. Enjoy it. It's your last chance, anyhow. So always look on the bright side of death. 
I don't know the words anymore. I don't think I can keep it going on. Because again, I don't know this freaking song. But I like the tune, so I think I do it anyway. But I ain't got nothing else I want to say. So I think I better stop and go away. Cause I got some video games I want to play. You all have a great and wonderful day. With that, I will stop now and go away. Like my daddy said, I am not a singer, a poet. Maybe I just don't know it, but who knows? But you know what? That's it for this episode of the online fraudcast. Thank you for listening. You know, we've got a lot of fraud to talk about on this show. I mean, a lot. So please continue to tune in. Also, feel free to drop me a line telling me hello. I really like it when you guys reach out and say hello. You can reach me at brett.johnson at onlinefraudcast.com. That is brett, B-R-E-T-T dot Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N at onlinefraudcast.com. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or directly on our website, www.onlinefraudcast.com. And yes, I also want to hear what you like and what you don't like about the show. So please email me. And hey, tell people about the show. Rate and review the online broadcast to help others find out about us as well. And here is my promise to you. You will always get the truth from me. No holding back, nothing left out, and I will always work to protect you against the type of person that I used to be. Until next time, stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant. jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.